Real big. I know one day I would do it real big. Um, Brent, man, I know you as my friend, you know, one of the coolest DJs that anyone has ever really known. Um, and, you know, you're the story king. You know, to me, you are the young boss, the legend. But for those that don't necessarily know you, um, let us know who you are and what you do. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm essentially at my core, man. I'm just Brent. Brent told to my family and, and close friends and, and confidants. I'm just a person, you know, from Chicago, living in New York, trying to get out all the ideas that I have. I pride myself on being multifaceted mm -hmm. um, in the finance game, but I still have passions from my childhood that I'm developing, you know what I'm saying, as a grown man. So I'm just somebody that tries to live life to the fullest and um, mix all of my worlds together and just live life unapologetically. That's a beautiful way to put it. Um, very succinct too, because that doesn't even reach the surface of what we're gonna talk about today. And so, I mean, to me, I, you're really one of the most incredible examples of people who have just made a conscientious effort to do exactly what you wanna do. You talked about it a little bit where you, you, know, you touched on the finance world. Um, you know, could you talk a little bit about your thought process and how you developed that trait of just, you know, deciding, hey, this is what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna go ahead and execute. You know, to be honest, I think that that state of mind comes from me being a middle child, you know? So growing up yeah. um, with the older brother, my older brother is about five years old. You know, the middle child syndrome is real. If you Google it, you know what I mean? Some of the world leaders are middle children, the most Super Bowl uh, quarterbacks are middle children, everything like that. And I think it's because we know how to be independent, but play the role of all sides, right? So we have to be able to relate to our older siblings world and we have to be able to bring our younger sibling into our world and kind of mold them and act as like an older person towards them. Um, and through all of that, like our parents just kind of, you know, glance over us because either the, all of the attention is on the older child or they're babying the, the, the younger child. So I think from a young age, I've always been pretty independent. I've always done my own thing. Um, and I never really leaned on anybody else for like, gratification or permission or anything like that. I was always just the person to just uh, go my own way. So I think that that shows up um, in my life today in the way that I go about things. I just really feel like the only person that I have to impress at the end of the day is myself, right? So I don't really lean on the gratification of others or, or anything of that nature. I don't know if I answer your question fully though. No, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. You know, um... I'm, I'm the youngest child, so I'm like probably one of those people that <laughs> I think I have a complex because of that, too. But uh, being a middle child, yeah. I think that's probably like a real challenging space for a lot of people. Um, and the way that you like maneuvered it, you, you just make it seem as if, um, you know, this is this is actually the best way to be. <laughs> um, and so let's let's talk a little bit about mindset. Um, you know, there's a reason why you're successful at what you do. You know, you were featured on Sway in the morning. Um, you are known as one of the top DJs and producers in your area. I think to me, you know, primarily because of your mindset. But I think one of the cool things about you is that you really don't care about what people think, you know, um, and I think um, that's just like, that's beautiful, man. Like not a lot of people can operate with that level of, um, with that level, I wanna, say, I wanna say integrity, but not many people can operate with that level of uh, honesty for themselves right. and, and right. others. Um, 
And so could you talk a little bit about how you developed that mindset? Um, I, I would attribute a lot of that to like my upbringing. You know, I was blessed to come up in a two-parent household with strong values within the church, um, really, really traditional church as well. So I, like, I think I started off with a strong moral standpoint. So I think a lot of the um, unapologetic attitude I have is because I know that I'm moving in the right sense of spirit and I'm not doing anybody wrong and I'm not doing anything that's morally inept or you know moving without integrity and things like that. So I know at the end of the day, I'm doing what I feel is right. You know what I mean? Um, and whether that isn't like the, the popular option of the time, I don't really need to lean on like what's popular. Again, with that middle child syndrome, as long as I like it, I'm the only person at the end of the day that has to deal with the outcomes, positive or negative that that comes with. So I think if you are confident in yourself that you're moving with you know the right intention, um, you have the right uh, attitude towards the outcome of everything and that, and that you're moving with integrity and that you feel what you're doing is right. I think that leads into the unapologeticness and, and you really don't care what the outcome is because at the end of the day, you're just moving with your heart. Right, just moving with your heart, following your instincts. I think that's a right. big, <laughs> right, right, right. I feel like that's a major like law of attraction thing. I don't know, we talked about this briefly. Um, but I feel like you just really help, uh, you really focus on your vision and let that really guide you through. Um, right. And so when I think about you, a lot of times I think about your social media presence, man. I, and, you know, there were so many times where I was just like, this is so dope. I don't even know <laughs> where you pulled this little, this photo from or this video right. from. Um, and somehow you became this person that people consider Story King Brent. Um, right. Could you talk a little bit about how that name came about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first to touch on the piece of like where I pull, pull pieces and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I'm the type of person, very visual, and I love music, you know, from a young age and things like that. And I kind of grew up in the museums in Chicago. So like as a youth, I was in like uh, programs that would have us in the Museum of Science and Industry before it opened on Saturday morning. So we would be doing science projects in the back and we would have like the whole museum to ourselves. And that's kind of where I developed my love of art and science and how things work and how things look and visuals and just abstract paintings and things like that. <clears throat> so to continue on into the question about, what was the main frame question again? I don't, I don't wanna lose it. Oh yeah, like basically how did you, how did you become Story King Grant? So the Story King part. So that actually started out before Instagram um, stories came about. It was actually when I was starting up my Snapchat. So this is like 2014 or something like that, 2013, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> because um, my old screen name was like something from high school, uh, like our crew in high school and stuff like that. And I was like, well, you know, we're, we're far removed from high school at this point, so I need to change yeah. it up. And then um, I think I was having a conversation with one of my boys He's like, well, you know what I'm saying? Do something about it. like you always trying to tell stories and stuff like that. And I was just like, I have I'm story king. I think there was a DJ in New York called like Spin King or something. And I wasn't a DJ at this point anyway. And um, I think his name was like Spin King. I'm like, I'm Story King. So it, it just it just went like that. Story King Brent. And then That's I you know, Snapchat and then the Instagram stories and all of that came about and it kind of just developed from there. But it was it was before that. That's crazy. Okay. So 
And I think a lot of people look at the Brent today, you know, you, I, I really appreciate the fact that you post the way that your life is, because it seems kind of crazy um, in, the, in the sense that you get to see so many different places. You hop on a plane, you're DJing in a different city, maybe another country. Um, you know, a lot of people see the Brent of today, the international DJ. But what was the point in which you realized, OK, hey, I'm, I'm going all in on this DJing thing? Yeah, so the way DJing was even revealed to me, I started off as a producer. I've been producing since eighth grade. I actually got some major placements with the game, DJ Quick, King Louie out of Chicago, who was featured on Jesus, um, and a few placements that way. So when I moved to New York, <clears throat> and I'm moving around the social circles in New York and the music industry and things of that nature, people know me as a producer. So for some reason in New York, people just associate producers with DJing. I didn't know this was a thing, right? <laughs> so they would just be like, oh, you know, um, yeah, you're producing, you want to DJ my uh, my gallery opening or you want to DJ my single release party or something like that. And I'm just like, yo, I don't DJ, <laughs> you know? And, and literally I got asked this question four to five times. Um, a big opportunity came abroad, um, uh, uh, came to my attention and somebody wanted me to DJ like their, uh, I think it was like a single release party slash gallery opening. And I was just like, yo, this is something I would really want to do, but I don't know how to DJ. And um, from that moment, when I had to pass up on that opportunity, literally like the next week, I went and caught my equipment. Um, I reached out to the to the network of DJs that I knew. And uh, shout outs to DJ Earns. He was uh, Funk Flex's right-hand man assistant at the time. I went over his house, um, learned how to organize my crates and everything like that, and dived right into being a DJ. And literally my first real gig was being the DJ for my homie Nick, who goes as Young Reno. At the time, he was opening up for Wiz Khalifa and uh, Currency at the Dope Fest in DC. So this is like 5,000 people, five to 7,000 people. And this is my first DJ gig, <laughs> literally out the gate. <laughs> so I'm just thrown right into it. And ever since then, man, that's how, that's how, that's how I came to be. Dang, so you learned on the fly. On the fly, literally, like my first gig is all of these people. Um, it was so random. <laughs> wow, I, you know it's crazy because I I don't necessarily I know that you know this, but it's not random. You know what I'm saying? Like and that's that's the, right. that's the thing that I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, they may not grasp the opportunity when it comes to them, and right. I think one thing is it fear you know fear of the unknown it's like okay what if I mess up what if um, I ruin my reputation um, and I think what a lot of people don't necessarily realize is the fact that when you're starting out you don't necessarily have anything to lose even if you are you know whether you're a new heart surgeon or a new dentist you know I've seen new dentists operate everybody has a learning curve so um when it comes to DJing, it seems like a natural thing for you to, to, to do. Um, could you talk a little bit about maybe your, your inspirations and how, um, how you've kind of gotten better over the years at DJing? Absolutely. So um, I would say one of my main inspirations is leaning on the network that I've, that I've had coming from Howard and being in New York. But some of the aspirational DJs um, that I look up to would be, of course, Funk Flex, but more specifically, I would say Kid Capri, because the way Kid Capri rocks a party is unlike anything you'll see. He comes from the old school. He comes from, you know, the, the 80s and 90s when they didn't have, you know, social media, anything like that. So his, 
his crowd control with just the music. He doesn't even have to do too much talking. And, you know, I kind of lean off of that where he just lets the music do the talking. He'll play the right records at the right time. And he'll, he knows how to drop um, the records at the right point, let the audience sing along and how to warm the crowd up. Like you don't just get on the set and start playing the hottest records. You know, people have to kind of warm up to those records. Like um, he knows how to set a tone and, and, and like the curve of a party. You know what I mean? The curve of a party is kind of like reading a storybook actually. So it's just like, you have to introduce the characters, you have to build a plot line, you have to build anticipation, and there's a climax, and then you come down, and then you go back up, you know, you have to, it's like the ebbs and flows of a party, and I think I learned the most from him. Wow, that's deep, um, and who's, who's your favorite DJ? Um, yeah, who's your favorite DJ of all time, and why? Uh, I, yeah, I would say, I would say Kid Capri for those reasons, and then I also look up to Jazzy Jeff, um, because just in a technical sense, you know, he's really one of the pioneers that um, just scratching and, and making sure that the, the technical aspects of DJing is always looked up. Um, and then the way that he's able to float across different genres of music as well. Um, I think that's something I've learned a lot more, even more specifically in the past two years where, I'm, where I've been DJing at a residency, the Factory 380 in Manhattan, where it's like a different demographic than I'm used to, right? So now to mix in EDM, Top 40, and electronic music, with hip hop and R&B and throwbacks and things like that. And I think what sets me apart is that I'm able to pull reference points from all of these different cultures and put them inside one party. Whereas people are used to just going to a party here in one or two directions of music, I can hit you with nine to 10, so. That's crazy. Um, and so, you know, I know we're kind of going in a few different directions here, but, um, I'm down for everything, bro. <laughs> I think, you know, once once we started connecting a little bit more, I really appreciated your how deep you were in finance. That's how we kind of started our initial conversations. But then we both had this passion for other things. Um, and, you know, we're both doing other things now. And so I feel like that that beautiful, like, ebb and flow of career trajectories is what life is all about. You know, you're not necessarily going to stay at a job 50 years anymore. Um, for the transition, for the transitioning professional that's in the process or, or just thinking about doing something else with their life, whether it's a side gig or um, you know, a full-time job or something like that, uh, what would you say to them in order to just help them kind of get to that next level? 100%, man. I think what you need to do is you need to be honest with yourself. I think the reckoning point came for me was like, I did years on, on Wall Street, you know, in the Wall Street trajectory. Um, and I realized, you know, after your first promotion, <clears throat> you go to the next promotion, you, you, you get into the VP level now, right? So I looked at the VPs around me and the VPs that I looked up to and even higher than that, like you know, that's a vice president, but then you got like the managing director and the partner and things like that. And what you have to do is, you have to be real with yourself and say, look, if I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and go through the trajectory of working super hard and getting these raises and things like that, do I like the lifestyle that that promotion even has? Like, it, do I want to be my vice president? Like, I look how, how hard he's working. He's always stressed out. He's, he's in the office before me. He leaves after me. It's just like, I don't, I don't want, I don't even want this promotion. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, what, what, what do we do now? You know that the future of in, in that company or any company in that career is not something that you want to look forward to. So you have to kind of 
make a, a decision to do something that you're passionate about. And luckily for myself, I, I was already dabbling in DJing and, and other things of that nature and entrepreneurial ventures. And I've always, always had an open mind about it, but I just had to decide to do it, you know, I, and not only just do it, but to go full in. So anybody who's thinking about making that move, I would say first, be real with yourself and the future at your current position. Realize if you, if that's something you want to do or not. And then most importantly, you, need, you got to stack your money. You know what I mean? You want to have you want to have enough expenses. I would say for six to eight months, if you if you were to not make a dime, you would still be okay. Um, not only for the literal reasons of having the money stacked up, but for the mental reasons as well. <clears throat> There's power in. Um, having peace that you're able to still pay your bills. You know what I mean? So you have to do what you have to do to stack up that money to make sure that when you are going about your own race and, and doing things like that, that you know in the back of your head, you can still pay bills for a certain amount of time. Because if you've been in the, in the corporate structure for long enough, if worse comes to worse, which it never will, we don't want to think like that, but you'll always be able to jump back in the race if you want to. But um, you want to make sure that you're, you know, you're not putting yourself in um, unnecessary debt or you're not risking losing your apartment or anything like that you want to be financially secure so I would say definitely shift your mindset um, to know what you really want out of your corporate career and your life and your dreams and then also be financially stable wise words from a from a young man from a young boss um, hope I wasn't right there but I thought I was talking forever no I think that's perfect because I feel like there's so many people that need to hear that because um, I think what's not cool is the whole stories about, oh, man, you know, my, my car got repossessed and, you know, my family was right. on the street. I was homeless. It's like, nah, that's not that's actually not, cool. <laughs> it's cool that, you know, exactly. You know, you want to avoid that at all costs. Um, and so, you know, to me, Brent, you are a marketing and branding boss. You know, could you talk a little bit about um, maybe how, well, I think you talked a little bit about that, how it came about, but, you know, do you see yourself teaching a course or maybe showing people how to create social media presence or, you know, strategies? Yeah, um, you know, as you mentioned, that, I do, I do see that in the future. And I think the most important piece of that would be um, authenticity. So I think first I would I would try to educate on how to be aware of yourself, your value structure, and your principles, and how to express that um, creatively. But you know, um, I do feel like before I have, of course, I have a few more things I want to accomplish, and um, I think I would be able to speak um, better to it then. But if when I do develop, of course, you know that that will be the focus of. Because you have to have your own authentic voice and your own unique perspective, right? If you're out here just trying to emulate, you know, what you see or following trends and things of that nature, <clears throat> you're always going to be behind the curve, right? Because the fortune favors the innovators, um, not the copycats. So you can always copycat things, but you'll always be behind. You'll always be two steps behind if you're if it's not coming from within yourself. That's so real. That's so real. Um... And Brent, I know you have some other projects coming out. Is there anything that you wanted to touch on um, when it comes to like your your entrepreneurial ventures? I know you have a few. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, there's a lot of 
things going on that I'm excited about. I think the main thing that I'm excited about right now is um, <clears throat> I'm partnering with a company out of Oklahoma City um, that's doing uh, CBD growth pods um, and they're growing marijuana organically within their own pod structures. Um, and I'm, I'm partnering with this company. I'm gonna be purchasing pods where you can grow your own CBD within there and then they take care of the entire distribution process and you get a 100% return on your investment. So not only am I gonna do that to empower myself, but the structure of my company is gonna be able to empower the rest of the people around me to make that investment um, within itself, either partially or the whole way <clears throat> and retain equity and be able to basically get a higher return than anything that's on the stock market or anything like that and just live your life. You know, So it's gonna be like more of a real estate structure rather than actually entering the CBD marijuana space because you're not dealing with any of those, uh, any of the, the little details, you're kind of just investing your money and sitting back and watching it grow. Literally. <laughs> literally, literally watching it grow. <laughs> um, also, I talked about um, earlier um, how I had the, uh, the travel, the travel piece. So as you know, I, I like to fly around a lot and get on flights and things of that nature. Um, I actually, partnered with another um, travel agency and I'm able to allow people the opportunity to just travel around similar to how I do um, at a very attractive rate. So anybody out there that takes over 10 flights a year, I would say definitely get in contact with me. We can have a further conversation about that as well. Amazing. Amazing, Brent. Like, I feel like this is this is the beginning of something that um, I know there's going to be probably a trilogy. I feel like that we have to have more interviews like this with just Absolutely. us. Um, and we have to do something in person too in New York. Yeah. Um, yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, but before we let you go, though, we're going to go to the speed round. All right. So I know you're a Chicago person, so I'm going to start with this. All right. <laughs> um, Jordans or 11s? Oh, Jordan's sorry. Or I'm sorry. Jordan ones or 11s. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I have more pairs of Jordan ones, so I'm going to say Jordan ones, but let me tell a story. Let me tell a caveat about that. So growing up in Chicago, were the shoe to have period. You know, I remember um, vividly when the uh, Concords first came out and I had, a, I had a pair of those when the black and red 11s came out, set the city crazy. But a lot of people in sneaker culture may not know that the Jordan ones didn't become that popular until really I attributed to the Otis video in 2011. I feel like after that, the Jordan ones were crazy. But yeah, I got I got so many pairs of Jordan ones, man. I gotta say Jordan ones. <laughs> That's so real. Uh, Harold's or the Breakfast Club restaurants? Gotta go Harold's, man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> NYC or Miami? That's that's a tough one, man, because I love Miami. Miami is like my second home. Uh, well, I guess my third home at this point. But I'm, I'm going to have to go with NYC just because the pace and the people here make this place special. So real. All right. Basketball or football? Basketball, 100%. All right. Time or money? Ooh. Give me the money, man. Money. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Uh, strategy or execution execution for sure 100 because you have all the strategy in the world doesn't matter if you're not putting in the work so stop stop learning so much and start doing well if someone were to take like this interview today and do one thing what would you suggest they do 
I would suggest that they save up their money and execute on whatever idea that they have in the back of their head that's been there for a couple of years and they just been sitting on. I go go ahead and do it. Take this as a sign. So real. All right, Brent. So how do people get in touch with you? Y-K-I-N-G-B-R-E-N-T. That's Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media that you have. Um, feel free to shoot me an email, storykingbrent at gmail.com. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready and willing to talk to anybody about an array of topics. I know we covered a lot today. But um, in general, I just like to, to tap in with people and, and be connected. So please feel free to reach out to me. Let's chop it up. Fire, Brent. Thank you. This is not, this is the first, but it will not be the last. Thank you for joining. Yes. Thank you so much for opportunity, bro. I appreciate um, you just even taking the time out, you know, to sit down and talk and chop up in. I don't take this for granted at all, bro. I truly appreciate it. Oh, man. I appreciate you too, Brent. Hey, man. So let's connect later. We'll talk later. For sure. Definitely, bro. All right. Peace. Peace.